Hi there, Tom D'Antoni at World Cup Coffee and Tea, Northwest 18th and Gleason for another OMN Coffee Shop Conversation. Very happy to have the perpetually cool, recently named 2018 PDX Jazz Jazz Master and fellow KMHD host Art Abrams. His swing machine, Big Band, will be appearing at the Portland Jazz Festival on Thursday, February 15th at Revolution Hall, playing with singers Ernie Andrews and Barbara Morrison in a program called West Coasting, devoted to West Coast Jazz. And we'll find out Art's interpretation of that moniker also. How does one remain cool after age 80? For Art Abrams, just keep on with what you're doing. Art has never stopped, and why should he? Let's meet Art Abrams. Art, welcome to the cupping room here at the World Cup Coffee and Tea, our benefactors uh, for, you, Oregon, for Oregon Music News Coffee Shop Conversations. Glad you could be here. I'm happy to be here. Good. Well, let's, let's, let's talk about the gig, first of all. You, okay. First of all, congratulations for being named whatever. What is, the, what is it? <laughs> well, they say Jazz Master. <laughs> jazz Master, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, it's, a, it's a fantastic title. And I don't is. know if I can be called a Jazz Master. You keep learning all the time. You never learn everything, so... If somebody calls you a jazz master, <laughs> I would say, okay. <laughs> uh, I'm pleased with that. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that, that's, a, that's good. Um, uh, How would you feel when you found out about that? I actually didn't know about it. Uh, when Don Lukoff contacted me, we were going to be booked to work with uh, Ernie Andrews uh-huh. uh, and Barbara Morrison. He didn't tell me. That's what I thought it was. We were going to be working with them. Uh-huh. And then he laid that on me, and yeah. I was somewhat stunned. Huh. You know, I, uh, huh. uh, I do what I do because I love doing it. Yeah. And yeah. if you get rewards or a slap on the back, that's great. If you don't and you're happy with what you're doing, that's fine, too. Yeah. So I was pretty yeah. stunned and uh, happy. Very, very uh, odd by the, by the title. That's great. I'm, I'm happy for you, you know, because you, <laughs> you deserve it, you know. Um, so, uh, so, so the, the, let's, let's talk about the gig, first of all, before sure. we get into anything else, because the gig is the most important thing at the moment. Okay. <laughs> Tell me about it. Well, uh, Ernie Andrews, if mm-hmm. you're not aware, is a legend, a living legend. My first encounter with him was by radio when I was growing up in California. 45, he, was, he, he made his first record, to my knowledge. And I think it was a thing called uh, Don't Let the Sun catch you crying Uh that put him on the map and he's been a working artist since then so he's what he'd call a living legend yeah yeah and i'm a fan of his it's great to play with a fan of his um finally working with an artist that's older than me that's amazing he is 90 i'm 87 (laughs) so usually everybody i accompany is younger than me so it's kind of (laughs) nice Well, I, I understand because most of the people I talk to are, are, are younger than me, so it's nice to talk to you. <laughs> I mean, geez, I'm, I'm, only, I'm only 71. You're a baby. I'm a baby. You're a baby. <laughs> um, so I, I, think, um, I, think maybe, what do you, I think maybe more people know about Ernie Andrews than they do about Barbara Morrison. True. Barbara, I don't think Barbara's ever been to Portland for yeah. a concert at all. Yeah. She'll be new here. Very dynamic singer. I lapsed onto her. Uh, I've been a fan of hers, actually, maybe nine or ten years ago when I first heard her singing with, uh, with, with, uh, uh, through a recording. 
an LP that I have with Leslie Drayton's band. Uh-huh. Uh, I think it's actually a 70 or 80 recording, and I like what she does. And she's got several CDs out, like Ernie does. Uh-huh. And so it'll be a first, actually, to work with both of them. Uh-huh. So it's going to be exciting. And uh, they're bringing their charts, oh, their, yeah? their arrangements ah. that were made for them, especially, yeah. uh, by some of the arrangers. Um, I think with Ernie, he's already, I've talked to him on the phone. He told me uh, several by the Clayton Hamilton big band that he did with them. Mm-hmm. So it'll be some great band charts. Didn't Ernie Andrews have a, a, a chart hit on the, on, 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 the, on, the, on the pop charts? Didn't he do In the Mood, a kind of a, uh, an R&B version of In the Mood? That you got me on time. I don't know. I think I so. I think I one. had that single when I was a kid. Possibly. I don't, I don't know. You know. That's when you know, pe- you know, yeah. people were doing standards as rock songs, and yeah. Blueberry Hill and all those songs. And Barbara's yeah. is pretty much in the, the vein of Ella Fitzgerald. Uh-huh. I don't think she does a lot of scatting like Ella did, but uh-huh. she's a blues belter and ballad belter. So that's what it's going to be, two dynamic artists doing their blues and ballad stuff. So Nice. Nice. Be nice. nice. And our band won't cook behind him, hopefully. Yeah. That's <laughs> <As> we do. <laughs> So this is uh, this is billed as West Coast jazz. West Coast. She's from West Coast. Yeah. Ernie is not born in the West Coast, but he's a legend on the West Coast. And most of his uh-huh. early life was from the West Coast. Yeah. And I'm definitely West Coast. Yeah. Uh, grew up in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, Ernie and I had one thing in common. We both uh, kind of were on the streets of Central Avenue. Is that right? Central Avenue then... Forty-five was I was fourteen years old, uh, fourteen years old, or uh, fifteen years old, and Central Avenue was to L.A. and California what Harlem was to New York. Yeah, clubs all through the, all through that belt, all through the belt. Clubs that sometimes would start at twelve at night. Yeah, and play till they wouldn't open till twelve midnight, and oh, and play till the dawn. And, uh, and you were fourteen. I was uh, four, let's see thirty. So uh-huh. 45 would be 14, 15 years old. And you and, stayed uh, up all night at these then, clubs? Uh, well, yeah, you, you uh, I hate to say it now, but you faked your ID and that type of thing. And <laughs> I had a horn. I was a young musician. It was actually a fantasy land. Uh-huh. It was a Disneyland for a young musician. Uh-huh. Or even uh, uh, people that love jazz coming in from Hollywood. A lot of the stars would come down there. Uh-huh. Ava Gardner. I remember running into uh, Ava, uh, not with Sinatra, but somebody else. And... Uh, uh, John Derrick, who was a, a, a budding yeah. star at that time. You yeah. see a lot of the white people coming down to that area. And, Tom, we did not have the racial problems we have today. Uh-huh. It was so wonderful. They welcomed white yeah. audience down, white musicians down there. Yeah. And it was a great place. Central yeah. Avenue was the most exciting place for anybody at the time. Uh-huh. It's since dried up near, near the... Uh, that's when West Coast Jazz actually started. Uh-huh. You see, um, uh, it all dried up uh, going into the 50s. I see. Uh, the latter part of the 50s. Yeah. Uh, the club started folding up. Mm-hmm. Um, the original Billy Berg's Club, which became a big jazz club in Hollywood, uh-huh. originally started down there. Huh. And if you're you a young musician and you go to see somebody, Dexter Gordon, um, mm-hmm. Sonny Chris, um, Wardell Gray, some of the great names. You'd see them perform there. Mm-hmm. And then during break times, a lot of the clubs, the clubs were in walking distance of each other. Mm-hmm. The horns, uh, Dexter and, and Chris would take their horns <laughs> and walk down a couple of bars. And if you wanted to, you followed them down there and he performed perform with their favorite friends. <laughs> then they'd come back to the club and do where they were booked for. So That's it, amazing. It was, it, 
you can't believe Tommy. It, yeah. This was a thing. It's never going to happen again. It's it's gone right. forever. Right. It was an era. You know. Wow. 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 So, and that was, of course, before Dexter went to Europe. Right. Well, yeah. 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 Why? Huh. Then there's a lot of clubs opened up in Hollywood, uh, which took uh-huh. over. Like you know, the, the Shelley Mann's um, original club was in Hollywood, mm-hmm. on Coenga, and um, uh, I'm trying to think of another place. The another place called the Quarry, like it was up here, mm-hmm. but in, on Hollywood, uh, Jazz City, which is on the corner of Vine Street. Uh, every, the Mecca became into Hollywood Crescendo, which is owned by. Mm-hmm. Uh, top TJ uh, G Norman, mm-hmm. the uh, the the origination of the Clifford Brown Max Roach Group how all happened in in Hollywood at the Pasadena Civil uh-huh. promoted by DJ G yeah. Norman. He was a DJ huh. that really promoted yeah and organized groups. Yeah, yeah. Well, when you were when you were a teenager and you were hanging out on Central Avenue, didn't did, didn't you go to did you just go to work from right from the clubs to school? <laughs> how do you mean? Well, if you if you were there late and the clubs were going late, I mean, oh, uh, I made it to school. Did you? It, it wasn't easy. It wasn't easy. <laughs> and then when I started playing horn, which was around uh, sixteen years of age, uh-huh. I really wasn't good enough to sit in. As, as as time went on, I was able to sit in some of those clubs. Wow! And that's where I got my training. I couldn't read music yet, huh. and it wasn't until I was called in a job uh, through school, and then I was going to Hollywood High School at the time. Uh-huh. Uh, just Graduated from the Junior High School, going into Hollywood High School, and called for a job because uh, I, I worked with groups, but mm-hmm. that we didn't read music, and I couldn't read music, and I, I can't I, I I was completely deflated. Oh, came home crying that night and told my dad I want to learn how to read music. Wow. You, you guys dropped me from the band quickly, <laughs> uh, and after that did all the things that you do. I, I got a teacher, took yeah. some lessons. Yeah. And uh, it went well from there. But um, I had a good ear, so I could copy things off of records. But when it came to reading music, I couldn't read music. Uh, and the people thought I could because it came out that well. So um, I learned a lesson. You have to get, you got to get your roots going, you know. Yeah. Do you, do you remember any of the people when you, you, know, when you were first, first sitting in? Do you remember any of the people that you played oh, with? Oh, yeah. Well, I sat in with the session that Sunday Chris was on. And... Uh-huh. Uh, 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 Sonny Chris was on, and uh, he wasn't even known at the time. Yeah. But he knocked everybody's socks off. Mm-hmm. He he was uh, uh, sat in at a session. Uh, I, this session I didn't sit in a, a place called the Hula Club, mm-hmm. Hula Club, Hula Hut in Hollywood. This was in Hollywood, mm-hmm. and it was basically uh, uh, they would have jam sessions like we do out here, like mm-hmm. the Bronstein thing, and uh, and then it would be on generally Monday nights. And Sonny Chris came in to sit in. They kind of pushed him aside. Dexter Gordon and Wardell Gray were the <laughs> featured artists. They were playing. They were booked. Wow. And then you can come in and sit in if you want. It was yeah. pretty loose. Uh, they didn't let him sit in. And then halfway through the evening, uh, Dex said to, uh, I talked it over with Wardell and said, they waved Sonny to come in. And he blew. And if you listen to Sonny, you've heard Sonny Chris stuff early, mm-hmm. he just killed everybody. The audience said, where's this kid from? That was it. That was, I think, the first break for Sonny out here in Cal- in California. Was, anyway. was he playing like Bird? Well, not Bird's phrasing, but yeah. he had that shrill. Yeah. He played technically like fast like Bird. Yeah. Very fast. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, 
but it was actually Sonny Stitt who sounded more like Bird, and right. and uh, right. that's why he got off of uh, alto for a while. Yeah, while Bird was alive because he couldn't compete with that. Huh. He had to make his own sound. Yeah, but Sonny Stitt didn't really try to copy Bird. He played that way. Yeah, Bird was quite the king. Yeah, I only saw Bird play once. You did at a jam session wow. at Tiffany Club when he came back after the breakdown. Yeah, he came back to California. And he uh, and he was looking for a trumpet player. Uh-huh. Uh, Miles was in California. Miles was in New York. Mm-hmm. And that's the first time I saw Chet Baker, who really wasn't <laughs> playing great horn at the time. They went for the auditions. I happened to be there that afternoon uh, <laughs> when Bird was going to be here for the audi- auditions. And out of 25, 30, almost 25 trumpet players, he picked Chet. Really? And yet... Uh, <laughs> uh, some of the horns here were, were better players, so he saw uh-huh. something in Chet. Yeah. And after that, Chet developed his style. And what do you it. think it was? What do you think he saw in Chet? Huh? What do you think he saw in Chet? I don't know, because yeah. Chet's playing was so simplistic. Uh-huh. Yeah. And it didn't do all the things like you hear with all the right. things. Right. That maybe that's what I have no It never to, was. Because he stopped the session. Yeah. It was after maybe about 15 or 20 it was about 30 or 40 trumpet players. I was there, too, not to play, because yeah. I knew I, I, wouldn't, I wasn't that good. And he called each up, and it was Chet's turn after about 15 horn players. And Chet did one half of a number with him. Charlie stopped it and said, thank you, folks. I got my man. That was it. Wow. I think they've written up in books. Yeah, Maybe quite, yeah. not, quite not that way, but yeah. that's exactly what happened. <laughs> and Chet uh, just looked like a little... He was kind of skinny at that time, yeah, and he wasn't on drugs, so he had that beautiful skin. Mm-hmm. He looked like a baby. Wow. I'm not sure what age he was, but it must have been about, I think Chet was 17, maybe 18, uh-huh. maybe 20, I'm not sure. Wow. And he lived in the area, somewhere out there, and, uh-huh. um, uh, and he introduced him, and uh, that was it. There was no more, and that was in the afternoon, so there was no gig going on until the evening, which I didn't get back for, huh. and that was it. And then you heard, Chet, then you, as the years went on, you heard Chet. Huh. I think he did a few things in California with Chet, mm-hmm. with Baker, and then he went back to New York. Hmm. And after that, hmm. to my knowledge, Charlie never came back to California. He huh. stayed in New York. Huh. I'm sure you'll never forget seeing Bird play. Huh? I'm sure you'll never ever forget seeing Bird play. Oh, no. even, it, even in a rehearsal, it was, it was a tryout. It was very dramatic. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, uh, it, it, it totally dramatic and. I didn't know of his breakdown when he had his breakdown. Yeah. I didn't see him then, but uh, I did see him when him and Dizzy came to the, the um, uh, it escapes me right now, the club I mentioned earlier. Uh, uh-huh. It's all right. Uh, you know, it escapes me now. I'm getting old, I can't think of that club now. Doesn't matter. Billy Burks. Billy Burks, yeah. When they came down, they were a flop. The really? Music was, yeah, the music was a flop. They played great. <laughs> I had a friend, uh, a little drummer I, I paddled around with. We went uh-huh. to Hollywood High with me. And he was able to get us into the kitchen. I uh-huh. told a story uh, before when I was interviewed on on uh, my uh, my growing up in California. Got me into it. We were in the, in the kitchen. Cause the, the, my little friend uh, was a Negro boy named Ernie Cumbus, who's a, still a good friend of mine living in California. And he knew the cook. Uh, the... Uh, and he let us say in, in the kitchen while he performed, but we could hear Bird and, and uh-huh. uh, Dizzy playing for the first time, the first time in California. Uh-huh. And the club was packed. Uh-huh. 
uh, but not necessarily for them because they didn't know what kind of music was coming up. Half the people didn't couldn't understand what they called bebop then. Yeah, us young kids, you know, young kids, their minds are right. open. We loved it. We yeah. thought it was something yeah. new. We didn't know what it was. Yeah. Um, and then uh, they left. Charlie stayed. That's when he had his breakdown. He went to mm-hmm. Camarillo Hospital. Dizzy yeah. went back to New York. And the New York people at that time were so far advanced. Yeah. They, that's where Bob really flourished. Mm-hmm. You know? mm-hmm. But then when they came back to California, years later, under the auspices of Gene Norman, who promoted a concert in Pasadena, yeah. and that's on recording, we were there, and it was Bob hit. Yeah. So Californians were late to pick up on the yeah. bebop scene. Uh-huh. You know? Were you, did, did you start trying to play it then when you heard it? Oh, I couldn't play it. I, I was <laughs> I was a fan. Did you try? The reason I could, well, I, I did try. I couldn't yeah. make the, the, the changes very wow. well. Uh, the reason I got the horn because my folks were, were when I was, I guess, I must have been about 12 years old, 11 or, maybe 11 or 12. They, they, my folks were dancers, not professional dancers. They just loved to dance. They took uh-huh. me to the Hollywood Palladium with them because uh-huh. they didn't get a babysitter for me. It was a, a, a <laughs> treat for me. Uh, and I was surprised. Used to get a babysitter for me, and I stay home. And Harry James was playing. Uh-huh. So as we're walking in, Harry James was standing there. I had no idea about a trumpet or anything. My boy, I wanted to be a cop. Or you a wanted fireman. to be a what? A cop or a, a fireman? Cop or a fireman. <laughs> yeah. And um, coming from a Jewish family at that time, uh-huh. every Jewish kid was prone to be either a lawyer or or, or a, a teacher or a, a doctor. Uh, yeah, not 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 a musician, not, right. a musician, not in my family. Right. Uh, so, as we're walking in, he's playing. Uh, they're playing trumpet blues. Like I, that stands out. That's one thing. Far that far back, I remember. Harry was standing there in his tux playing trumpet blues, and he finished. I sat down. At that time, uh, children were coming with their parents. Uh-huh. They, because uh, even though they served liquor, you sat in a certain area where for dinner and to play. Play was brand new. Beautiful place, mm-hmm. and uh, that was it for me. We left that night, and I told my dad, I, want to pl- I know what I want to do now. I want to play trumpet. <laughs> so it's Harry James' fault. Wow. Otherwise, I probably could have been a rich doctor. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> you never know, Tom. That's, that's, you know, you think about it. But it was after that I got very serious on horn, and I played more like Harry James than anybody else. Yeah. And today, still do. Uh, do uh, and that's so in me, I can't get away from it, his uh-huh. style, because he was my, my idol. And still huh. is. Huh. But, you know, I have a trumpet section that, that blows so good that, uh-huh. you know, I'm almost ashamed to do anything in front who's, of Who's in your trumpet section that's going to be in this gig? <laughs> oh, at the gig? Yeah. Uh, this is what I would call the trumpet section. Yeah. I got Paul Mazio. Oh, man. Ooh. I got uh, his solo and on third. Uh-huh. I've got Greg Garrett, uh, uh-huh. a lead trumpet. I got Joe Riddell, high note uh, lead trumpet, uh, split the lead. And Buzz Graham. Um... That's my four, and they're all on this on uh-huh. my current the current CD, the yeah. Speak Low, and that type of thing. Uh-huh. Um, so I got a great trumpet section, and everybody in the band. I, you know, John Nastos, he's my lead alto. Sure, John Nastos, um, Susie Jones, who used to teach the big band at Mount Hood before mm-hmm. they destroyed that music program. She's in the alto section, uh, a rhythm section, which to me makes a band. If you don't have a good rhythm section, you don't have a band. Right. Mike Snyder on drums. Uh-huh. Kevin Dietz on bass. Oh. You, I think you know all these people. Sure. And Mike Horsfall on piano. Nice. So nice, nice. It, nice. It's going to be powerful, you know. Mary Sue's not, in the, not, not on the gig this time? Oh, Mary Sue has been with us in a long, long, long oh, time. Oh, okay. You know, she okay. got into other kind of things. But, yeah. yeah, I love Mary Sue. We talked periodically. Yeah. We did yeah. the... Uh, 
because of her when she was uh, handling the amount uh, the uh, cathedral park thing. right she got us to come in uh, sure. and we did some things mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. yeah i love mary i love the groups that she the things that she does i follow her stuff around quite a bit yeah so how many pieces in the band 16 musicians plus me 17 when i'm when i'm playing wow. I, I won't be playing on this because uh the band will be backing up and my solos will be whatever the charts call for ah. um or when we have a vocalist, then it's 17 or uh-huh. 18. Uh-huh. But you'll be playing. No, no, I won't be playing. I'll you'll be directing. Okay. Yeah, I'll okay. be directing on this. No solos or anything? No, not for me on this. Oh, man. Not when we do our own things, you know. <laughs> so, you know, it's, uh, it, it's going to be great. Uh, I'm excited to work with these two vocalists I've never worked with before. Yeah. So uh, we're inviting everybody to come down and see this thing, you know, especially with Barbara Morrison, who I believe this is her first time to Portland, so... Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. That'll be a treat because nobody hears that. I mean, I've, I've, I've never seen her. No, I don't think anybody yeah. has. I've, people yeah. I've talked to have not heard her other yeah. than on records. Right. right. Her right. base is California. Right. She has a, a, a performing arts center down there. It's the Barbara Morrison Arts uh, mm-hmm. uh, Art Center, promoting young youth, helping, uh, I guess, youth that don't have the chance to get into certain things that are don't have the money to, to get them into uh, the music uh, program, such as. She's handling something like that, which is a good thing. Yeah. I wanted to ask a couple of things about, about West Coast jazz. Because, as we know, jazz fans are, are, are horrible. <laughs> They're just horrible. You know, when, when Bob came out, there was the moldy figs against, you know, and the beboppers, exactly. and, you know, and they were just, just stupid stuff, right? Yeah. And it was the same thing with West Coast jazz. East Coast people looked down on it. Well, it, here's what happened. There was no such designation in West Coast Jazz. Uh-huh. And while I was, because I lived down there and uh, went to all the schools, went to Lee Conn Junior High School, went to uh, uh, um, um, Hollywood High, then went to LECC for my music. Uh, but what happened, I think it was World Pacific Records by Richard Bach, who was the mm-hmm. owner, who had people like Jerry Mulligan on the label, yeah. uh, Chet Baker. He put out an album and he called West Coast Jazz. And what happened, anything that came out of the area mm-hmm. was considered West Coast jazz. Yeah. And that's, how it's, that's what started it. Then it became a battle between West Coast and East Coast jazz. West Coast jazz, yeah. Yeah. I thought, personally, uh, swung more. Uh-huh. And East Coast jazz was more concertized, we thought. Right. Uh, like the, right. Like the Art Blakey-type material. Great stuff. Yeah. But not something that you could tap your feet to, really. You mm-hmm. know? That's where it came in. So... A lot of musicians on the West Coast, like Stan Getz and Art Pepper, didn't personally like being, being we have a tag on them like West Coast mm-hmm. because they thought we're just jazz musicians. Right. But the thing stuck. <laughs> it ended in 59, going into 60, it was dropped. West Coast musicians were working with East Coast musicians. They intermingled yeah. pretty soon. Yeah. The, you couldn't tell the sound one from another. And there started, uh, Shelly Mann's early group, I remember when going to his club, started uh, with, with Shorty Rogers' group. Mm-hmm. They started experimenting with concertized type jazz. The Giants came out with like popo and all those kind of things. So mm-hmm. really not danceable and swung, but they, there are things that stopped in the middle and it would become concertized. And that's pretty much when the, the, the tag dropped. Uh-huh. And I think there's a couple books. I did a thing on KMHD with my, with my jukebox show when I got away from jukebox and went into West Coast Jazz because people were writing me, what is West Coast Jazz? 
and uh, I heard a lot of things that weren't being said right, so I made them straight. West Coast Jazz Music were Pete Jolly, yeah. Lenny Niehaus, yes. Bill Holman, mm-hmm. uh, um, uh, um, those guys. I, I'm thinking, uh, I don't yeah. want to take time, but not That's okay. trying to think who it is here. Um, not we, Horace Silver. The other uh, piano players I can't think of right now. Yeah, well, um, I mean, we get it anyway. Yeah, Hampton yeah. Hawes. Oh, ha- right, of course. Yeah, these are the guys of I would see. Yeah. Even when I was going to Hollywood, I was playing on the, uh, some on the, West, on the uh, Central Avenue or in the clubs in Hollywood. Yeah. These are your West Coast musicians. Mm-hmm. So I, I hear some DJs calling them not West Coast musicians, but they, they actually were. So I did a show on that and yeah. put everybody straight. But <laughs> great guys came in from New York. And uh, uh, you're right, uh, Tom, what you said at the beginning. They looked down on each other. Yeah. Uh, they, yeah. Uh, because, because people, columnists were writing things sometimes better about New York musicians and then bad things about California. Right. And vice versa. Mm-hmm. So it, it started turning musicians against each other, which is the wrong thing to do. Then pretty soon the musicians got wise, didn't want to tag at all. And start working with each other. It was a different kind of a from a ball game. But West Coast Jazz, I think, came it was tagged because of the record company. Yeah, that put out that one record. Right. And then all the all the all the West Coast record shop, record stores, record companies besides mm-hmm. that, Columbia and all that. Yeah. RCA, if they recorded out here. Yeah. Use the term West Coast Jazz. Yeah. And now it's now it's cool again. Now now. It's, Pretty generic. I well, mean, but it's, you can't tell one from another, and it's all great stuff. Yeah, you know? but if you call, but the term West Coast jazz is cool again. It is for some reason. Yeah. Uh, uh, I think it's nostalgia. Well, everything comes back you in know, style, comes right? Back. The pendulum swings back <laughs> after a while. Old becomes new again. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. It's true. Well, that's why people are, are using you know vinyl so popular, and people are using cassettes again. Yeah. Can you believe that? That's true. <laughs> and I got rid of all my cassettes. You know that? That's true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so, have you gotten the charts for the gig yet? We have not gotten the charts ah, yet. I'm sweating okay. that out because we like to look at the charts. So we've always had a chance to look at the charts beforehand. Uh, uh, it makes the rehearsal go easier. Yeah. We have a rehearsal the day before, the evening before. Ah. So it's really, really tight. It's going to be tight. So yeah. yeah. And we have 16 charts. Actually, goes. I think we do eight or nine by each artist. And uh, Don wants us to do a couple numbers with the band. Uh-huh. Uh, but it's basically going to be focused on the artist. And it's 16 charts, 16 or 17 charts by each, never been seen before. These are all written for them, each individually. So uh-huh. uh, they know their music. We need, we need to know how to, what, to, what to read for them. You know? so, yeah. It would be nice if you got to look yeah, so, at the charts. <laughs> it'll, it'll, be a, it'll be a wild rehearsal. Yeah, pretty wild. But that's nothing new, right? Nothing. These guys will take it. You know, I'd like to challenge this. You, know. you still like the, the gig? The gig itself will be simple. Rehearsals are usually the rough things. You know, the gigs are really fun. You know, the gig. Uh, but uh, you know, we did the Stan Kenton thing, and his charts, the Kenton things were really tough. Really? And we only had two rehearsals to do that. What's two, so tough about them? The dynamics and uh-huh. it, it changes in time and all that type of stuff. It changes uh-huh. in tempo. Changes from one key to another within the same chart. But it went it went off beautifully. We it was it went off great. We have never played at the uh, at the Revolution Hall. I hear good things about the hall. It's got a great stage, it great is. sound system. It is. It's nice. You've it's been there, Tom. Good place. Okay. Good place. That that, that, okay. that should be a lot of fun. That's good to hear. Yeah. Um. Uh. So. Uh. But you you you're still taking on challenges. You're still taking on challenges. 
Oh, yeah. If, uh, yeah. When I get too old to do that, then I might as well get out of the system. Right. You know? right. right. I think, I think, and I've worked with the musicians, not my t- particular band, but uh, even before coming here when I was younger, musicians, musicians that were kind of jaded by, this, by the music business and uh, that just did it just to make a few pennies, make a few pennies here and there. Yeah. You get to that point, you really should put your horn away and get out of the system. Yeah. If you don't love what you're doing, especially in music, it's going to show through, through your, through your uh, uh-huh. playing. Huh. You know? How often do you pick up your horn in practice? <laughs> uh, you don't want me to tell you that? Hardly any anymore. Really? Yeah, because most of the gigs are, are, are dance gigs, and I use them for when we do weddings and things like that much, yeah. but uh, our band has gotten to a certain point now that we're pretty much known for doing more swing things. Yeah. We've moved ahead from... When this band first started, we were playing Glenn Miller charts, which is nothing wrong with that. Yeah. But we moved on to special arrangements. Mm-hmm. You know, giant guys like John uh, Nastos, who's in the band. Right. And Dave Parker, my lead trombone, have written charts for us. So we're getting, mm-hmm. we've gotten to a point where we're pretty specialized. Yeah. You know. Well, swing is, is still huge here, isn't it? Oh, I, I love swing. Yeah. I hope swing will never die. That's one reason I do Jukebox Saturday Night. Yeah. KMAC to keep the swing era alive. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's, that's my era. I can do that with my eyes closed, so... <laughs> You know, and the younger kids coming up are hearing all the new things. We don't want the old things to die. There's some great things from the past. Mm-hmm. You know, there's good things and bad things from the past. Mm-hmm. Same thing with the current stuff today, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And we compete. We're in a, co- <laughs> we're in a, co- we're in a coffee shop. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Tom and I are sitting here having some yeah. coffee and um, uh, talking about some jazz. But I remember when I, when I first started at KMHD, I followed your show. I was on right after your show. On Saturday nights. You know, that's right. right. I do remember that. And I, I, never, I, never, I don't think I ever f- fully thanked you for having your show recorded so that <laughs> I didn't have to move, move in quickly when somebody else was walking out. That's no, I, always... <laughs> that, no, that's true. That's true. It was the yeah. same, same yeah. with me when I came in yeah. before you to do my show after the right. person friend that was doing it live. Yeah. And I, you know, I had to get in there, and sometimes if they got out late... Right, I went fast. Yeah. yeah, and then after we got to a certain point, uh, Tom Casella was in charge at that time. If uh-huh. you remember, I told Tom, "Well, sometimes I'll be playing on a Saturday night. Uh, I need to work this out." So that's when we went to recording. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, you know, I mean, it was always fun for me because I, I I'd be sitting there getting my show together and listening to your show. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so how long have you been doing that show? It's it's been you you, you you've been there longer than me. I know that. Yeah. Oh well, I gave up the Sunday show. Yeah. Uh, you know, about what six years ago, seven years ago, I'd done mm-hmm. that for twenty nine years, and it took away from the weekend. I have a wife that allowed that to happen, but as you get older, <laughs> you look at things in a different vein. You yeah. Know, you want to spend more time with your your wife right. if you're married, and it gave me more time to spend with the band. Yeah. With arrangements and things, I, I never could spend that much time with it, and. The, I like to have control on. No matter how many, I got some great guys in the band, but I always like to have my hands on what's going on. You know, right? Uh, uh, we do a rehearsal, and I tell them what I want, and the band does it better than I told them. So I'm well, lucky. I'm very lucky. You know, I, I think that a, a leader in anything, no matter what you do, if if you're in charge and you know what you want, then the people who who have to execute the, that what you want, that they appreciate that. They I appreciate hope, I hope that so. you know yeah, what you um, want. I, I, I mean, I, I remember doing a TV story on Steve Reich, the great composer, classical oh, composer, okay. and he was coming into town and and uh, third for to play with Third Angle. I mean, to 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 play Third Angle was playing some of his stuff, 
and they were scared to death, and they're symphony musicians, right? But, mm-hmm. but, but he came in, and it was obvious they didn't have to be scared of him. He just knew what he wanted. Exactly. You know? Exactly. So, I mean, what, what is your style when, 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 you're, when you're in charge of a band? I used to be fairly brutal when I was younger because I didn't really? have a really a band. I was a side man. Yeah. Uh, but when I had a little pickup groups in California, I was pretty brutal. I, I, I would really jump on somebody if they didn't do something right. Really? In the section or crack the note or something like that. Uh, but since I have the band up here, since we've in Ivan and I have lived up here, I think I came up in, to uh, Oregon in 1976. Uh-huh. So I consider myself an Oregonian. Um, I mellowed somewhat, uh, <laughs> and these musicians I have, uh, they'll pick up mistakes that I haven't picked up. Uh-huh. And most especially when we did a recording session, and all you know, I got four CDs out. Yeah, and the last one, "Speak Low, Swing Hard." They catch mistakes that I didn't catch. That's how uh, I can say I'm very, very lucky. Uh, uh-huh. I, I um, and most band leaders that have a band that that just doesn't play notes, that understands what the phrasing is, what a chart is all about, um, will won't, we'll not blow a bebop solo in a in a swing era type chart. Uh, they so I don't I don't worry. So I've kind of mellowed. I. Mm-hmm. I can't yell at these guys. They know more than me. Seriously. Uh, uh, what can I say? I, I'm very fortunate. I, I keep saying I'm fortunate, Tom, because I am. I, you know, I'm proud to stand up in front of this band yeah. every time. Yeah. Go out. And even the guys that are not in this band now that were, li- live here in Oregon that were part of this band as, over the years, everyone is added to the band. Yeah. Yeah. I think every musician comes into any band adds to it. Unless he's darn right, just not not a good musician. <laughs> well, I, I understand. Um, uh, when Oregon Music News first started, you know, John Nastos built the original site. Uh, uh, John Nastos built the original Oregon Music News website. Oh, I didn't know that. And he was involved at the beginning. And one night, you know, I'm from the East Coast and I'm Italian, and I express myself, and I got I got mad, and I started yelling at him. And he has never gotten over that. He, will, he hardly ever acknowledges my presence. <laughs> That's interesting. What's well, he's a very intense guy. Yeah. And I, and I would guess that he leads the same way. He does. He yes. leads that sex section. He cannot believe Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And he plays so, that way. And if you're right. in a solo, it's yeah. when he's moving really fast. Yeah. Yeah. So you get one alpha male against another alpha male. It's not pretty. Well, you know, <laughs> it, it was the same way with musicians. Musicians at yeah. first... Uh, it wasn't the music that helped. Uh, it seemed that New York musicians had an attitude. That's what we used to think, had an <laughs> attitude. And then if you start working with, with a musician, it, it all falls away. Yeah. And you just start looking at each other and respect what each other's doing. Right. So that's why I think, uh, and if I may say so, uh, we should have a, a musician as president of the United States. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> so what can I say? I agree. <laughs> should have been dizzy. Absolutely. <laughs> Disney should have been the president. Well, let me tell you something. When I was a kid, yeah. and we were going to, to uh, was in, um, I, guess, I guess it was junior high school, yeah. the, we did put Dizzy on the, on the ballot. Is that right? Yeah, I, couldn't, I was too young to vote. But th- some people did. They ran Dizzy for president. And it, I don't know if anybody wrote a book about it, but it actually happened. They came out with little buttons for Dizzy. Whoever has those buttons now has, has a collector's item. We would put little goatees on. And... Uh, <laughs> Of course, our parents voted for whoever they're going to vote. I forget who was right. running, but they, a lot of people put Dizzy on the ballot. <laughs> and they laughed it off, but they were serious. 
I, I remember the time. I, I, I'm for him. I would, I would, I'd have voted for him. Too. <laughs> I spent a day with him once doing a TV story. It was just oh, how, one of how, the best days how ever. Fortunate. How it was fortunate. wonderful. Yeah, it was wonderful. He was, uh, they had named, uh, there was a harness, a harness track right outside of Baltimore. Okay. Horse race harness, harness uh-huh. horse race track. And they named a race after him. So they, and he got to ride in the car that has those big wings that, that lead the horses out when, when oh, they go okay. out. Oh, okay, yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. And, 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 and I, 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 got my, I put myself and the cameraman in the, in the car with Dizzy, and it was just great. It was great. Oh, neat, he was, that's so great, much fun. That's great. That's so much fun. Because when I saw Dizzy and, and uh, you know, Parker uh, at Billy Berg's, uh-huh. we never got close to him. I mean, we, uh-huh. were, yeah. we couldn't get close to him. We were just kids uh-huh. in the back, and we had, uh-huh. we had to be quiet because we weren't supposed to be in <laughs> anyway. <Yeah. laughs> uh, but we saw the show, and they were brilliant. And um, uh, even when Dizzy came back, and we saw him at the first concert with the big band, at the Pasadena Civic Auditorium, which uh-huh. was the place for if you lived in Hollywood, that was the place to go for the big band stuff. Was uh, other than the Palladium and, and the uh, Casa Manana down at the beach uh-huh. at, at, at Santa Monica Beach, um, Ocean Park, uh, big bands were, were not playing anywhere. And, and Gene Norman was the yeah. DJ of the right. area, as I think the radio station KFWB, if I remember yeah. correctly. Yeah. Anybody out there that's listening in California may remember the Gene Norman show. Uh, he would promote all these things, so uh-huh. we went to California. So he promoted the uh, Dizzy Gillespie Big Band. That's yeah. the one that had Chano Opposa with him, uh-huh. passing the Civic Auditorium, and that was wow. you couldn't get back to see Dizzy. Wow. You just couldn't get back to yeah. see him. It was just brilliant. When, when you were in the kitchen in that little club, do you know who else? Yeah, was Billy in the, do, we, do you know who else was in the band? I'm trying to think who was working with Diz and Charlie Parker and Max Roach. Thing, and I, you know, I don't know. Uh, okay. Uh, never thought to think about who was with him. Yeah. Our, our yeah. sites were strictly on Diz and Charlie Parker. Yeah. Right. Well, I can understand and yet the that. the rhythm was fantastic. Yeah. yeah. They, they were cooking. They were cooking. <laughs> but most of the audience, you could tell at break time, because we stayed till almost closing. We, we had to get our, I had to get home, and, and Ernie had to get home. Um, um, they didn't quite understand what was going on with the music. Yeah. Did not quite yeah. understand. Because <laughs> that was an older audience. Yeah. But then uh, there was one more night they played, and the and the people came back. Not as much. It wasn't packed like the night before. Uh-huh. Uh, it was a younger crowd that really digging digging what it was called. I, I guess it really didn't have a name on it because this yelled up pop or something like that, and that's uh-huh. how the tag started. You know. Uh-huh. So yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. So um, uh, with with your band now, the, you, people dance, don't they? Oh yeah, yeah. We yeah. we have because swing books. dancing is still huge here. Oh yeah, and even dance. Uh, we have people that even dance in some of our sway, uh, way out charts. Really? <laughs> I mean, they're the dancers, you know. Uh-huh. But when we play a wedding, we we play the music that they want for the wedding. Yeah. When we play a concert, we're lucky to do that because then we can do pretty much what we want to do. Right. Uh, right. Um, my choice to do the Stan Kenton because I is my idol. He's uh-huh. other than Harry James and the trumpet. Yeah. Stan Kenton was my idol for a big band. Uh huh. Big band, and that's my favorite band. So we were honored to do that, and we still play some of those charts when we do dances. But the stuff that Lenny Niehaus wrote for him, the danceable stuff, like yeah. uh, I remember yeah. you and uh-huh. uh, the dance stuff. Yeah, he had a great dance book, what, but what, the chords were great, you know. Yeah, what was it that knocked you out about Kenton, the Kenton band? Well, I saw him. I saw it. I saw the first band at Hermosa Beach. Yeah, I went with my brother, my older brother. I was. I guess I was 
14. Mm-hmm. My brother was uh, six years older. I went with him mm-hmm. and some friends. And uh, it just his demeanor. It, 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 when you, I, I tried to talk to Kent, and I, I, my words wouldn't come out. He, <laughs> he looked so intimidating, yet yeah. he was the easiest guy to talk to. Yeah. I didn't talk to him. Never had a chance to talk to him. Um, but the band was so different. This was the early band when he had more of that real staccato sound. Yeah. Uh, and then we saw him a year later at the Palladium with June Christie, and every kid, every man fell in love with June Christie. <laughs> um, you know, she was up there doing her thing, and uh-huh. uh, that was before she even married Bob Cooper. They met in the band, uh-huh. but uh, he was finally getting some better gigs. Uh, but the, the Hermosa Beach, uh, the, the rendezvous Barma was the beginning. It was just a different kind of band. Their sound was so different. The voicings yeah. of the chords were different. Wow. Until you know, heard, then he, you know he he went past that into more progressive stuff, and then he even lost some of his yeah his fans because he got too progressive. Right, but, uh, <laughs> an artistic band, f- fantastic, and I wish I was good enough to have played in this band, but I, I don't think I ever would have been really playing that band. Wow, yeah. great huh. band, huh. great artist, and, and my favorite man. You know, wow. Well, Art, um, congratulations on, on being named Jazz Master, and we're looking forward to the, the, the gig at Revolution Hall. And, Thank you, Tom. And, uh, hope you have a hope you have a great time. We'll, I, we'll have a great time. I know you'll have a great, we'll have time, a great time, and I, I'm happy to hear that. Thanks for coming in. Thanks for having me on your show. Thank you so much. <laughs> 